Good morning. It's your girl, Joy Melody, and we're here to help you start your Mondays off right. We're here to talk about a little education, a little mental health, and the music we use to cope in this crazy, crazy world. I hope you enjoy the show, and you're listening to Morning Joy. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? You know, it's this semester, so um, ask me when I'm done. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on as I already kind of talked to you before the show. Um, Can you kind of introduce yourself to the people who are hopefully listening to this podcast Monday morning? And let's go from there. Hi, everybody. So my name is Kat Stevens, and I am a graduate student um, in New York City, and I study education. What parts of education? That's so broad. Yeah, so I study higher education, um, and particularly I focus on um, Black women in the academy, um, how the academy treats them, how they work within the academy, how they find their voice, particularly I focus on immigrant populations. That's a real, that's a popular subject right now. Yeah, I agree. And what is that? Are you, do you identify as, are you part of an immigrant population? Um, and what like drives your passion? for? I am. I am. So I am a part of an immigrant population. I myself am an immigrant to the United States along with my family. Um, we came to the United States um, from Guyana and which is in South America. And um, so we are, a, we came as a small Caribbean family that has grown and grown and grown <laughs> the more grandchildren my you know parents have. And so um, it's just a very, it's, it's, we've been here for some time, but it's still, you know, going between both, both places. So you, how often do you get to go home? I haven't gone in some years. Um, so I, I was actually thinking about going for carnival this year, but I don't know. I didn't plan long enough in, in advance. So I think that might have to wait till next year. <laughs> <laughs> that seems extremely, extremely expensive. But I see, I want to, that's one on my bucket list to like experience before I die. Hopefully while I'm still young uh, to go to carnival somewhere. Mm-hmm. What is that like? You gotta do it. Were you so when you moved have, here, you never been like as an adult? As an adult, no. Yeah, no. Not I've been to like different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I've been to You've been to when you were a kid? I've been to like the kitty carnivals and then of course uh, I've been to like Caravana in Toronto as an adult, but you know, not the hardcore, hardcore carnivals. I didn't even know Caravana was a thing, so you're, yes. And ignore the person walking in the back. It just sits my boyfriend <laughs> and my dog. Um, I forgot to say that before we got like you might hear a stranger voice in the back um yelling at my poor animal. Um, so I I remember I how you came found about the show is I think I like tweeted like who would be interested in being a guest. I don't know if you tweeted me back with the eyes or like, I don't remember, but all I know is it started on Twitter and then it moved to email and here we are. So like, what made you want to come on the show or like, what made you respond to that? 
You know, I, I had seen, I follow you on Twitter. I follow all the fabulous Black women on Twitter, um, all the wonderful academics. Hey, and so um, I love my digital community. I love my digital sisterhood. And I follow you. I'm aware of your podcast. I'm aware of the good work that you do. And so for me, when I saw that, I, it was kind of like a gut like response. It wasn't something that I sought out. And that's a little bit strange for me because I consider myself an introvert, which mm. is why I live on Twitter. <laughs> so um, when I responded, I kind of talked to myself and said, girl, did you mean to do that? Like, do you know what that means? <laughs> so it just something came over me. I just was brave for a moment and decided, hey, let me just reach out, you know? Well, I appreciate it because um, that's how I get my guests, you know, tweeting out. I mean, I do know a couple of people personally, um, and some faculty members have given their time and come on, but it really comes down to like hoping someone out there in the Twitter sphere sees my tweet and was like, yeah, I'd love to come on. Been successful so far, or I just wrote my boyfriend into coming on if I don't have a guest. So, um, and I really appreciate it because you, you had. It does, you know. He's academic as well, so we're out here struggling together. Oh wow! Yeah, PhD student, oh, wow. I'm master, so we—it's <laughs> an academic household, so to speak. Um, Love it. It's it's stressful. <laughs> if I'm not, if I don't have a deadline, he got a deadline. But um, when you talked about what you want to talk about, what you what you were interested in, like speaking on, you touched a lot on like stress and financial stress within grad school so like what does that mean to you or whatever you feel comfortable sharing your story within this platform certainly so I think that um there is a need for I have a desire to see more people be more authentic and um upfront about their dealings with mental wellness um, mental health, stress, anxiety, depression, all of the things that I find that the graduate school experience tends to bring on. Um, and if you weren't dealing with it before, you probably will deal with any of those things during and definitely after you finish your degree. Right, and so right. I just see that the rat race of the academy and whatever is the training that we all go through, um, whether we're, you know, training for our master's or training for doctoral degrees, um, it is a rat race. It is a spinning wheel that never ends. And somehow we just get socialized to operate at these high, high, high extremes. Um, And so it's not necessarily healthy. And I think it's something that we can do at certain points, but I don't think it's something to upkeep all the time, every day. And so I find that this type of environment really just kind of brings that out in everyone. It is. It's stressful. And it's like we were, especially in Black communities, Latino communities, um, we aren't socialized to talk about mental wellness and health at all you know we're supposed to like oh rub some dirt in it you know so to speak so when we get to grad school you know even I found myself of like struggling with depression and anxiety and then being told well why are you complaining and it's like wait a minute I'm on medication I'm not complaining right so have you dealt with the same type of stuff I have. Um, I have. And I, I, one thing that I um, 
think about and I go back to every single time I start an institution or I go to a new school or I, I've transferred quite a bit from one school to the next. And mm-hmm. so one thing that I know that I need, especially in times of transition, is to think about um, where is the first um, office or you know space for wellness and I find it. And I try to find a black practitioner. I try to find um, a practitioner of color if I cannot find a woman practitioner. And so that's one of the first things that I do that also when I'm, look, when I'm looking for a school and I'm looking at your program, I'm also looking at your offices of um, like counseling and psychological services to see what your makeup looks like, who's servicing mm-hmm. your students. And so that's one of the first things I do. I think it's really important to pinpoint um, who those people might be, what kind of services they have, what kind of groups they have, what kind of workshops they have for students of color and women of color. Um, that for me is almost as important as my funding package. So I particularly pay close attention to that. And then I go seek out those services when I go to a new school, just because the transition on itself is unique. And then once you get acclimated to everything, there's just transition. It's, it's super important to me. So I pay attention to it. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about like, once you get acclimated, it's like, once you get acclimated, something pops off and you're like, Oh, well, there goes that acclimation. Now I got to start all over. Or like, for me, I moved from Texas to Iowa. Like what is right? So what, like trying to, I know there's, you know, there's some black people here, (laughs) but we few far in between, like we make up 1.3% of the whole campus and there's 33,000 students enrolled. So, like, when you, that's not a lot of people, (laughs) you right? And so, I definitely, I don't think I actively sought out before I came, but I do think University Mm -hmm. of Iowa itself, like, they do have quite a bit of, I mean, their counseling services are utilized so much so, like, if you're not in the system, you could be waiting, like, you know, so it's like, oh, maybe I'll need some more more people then, (laughs) because y'all are crazy, like, school's crazy, um, how have you, like, do you discuss this stuff with your family or do they, like, were they supportive or were they like, uh, pull, you know, suck it up type? I don't know. Yeah, this is, that's a really interesting question. I have not really discussed this with mm. my family. I don't really talk about this with them. Mm-hmm. Um, until, like, recently in the last, like, six or nine months, it's been a little bit more of a topic of conversation but I also come from a family of helpers. And so my, most of my family is in the helping profession. So either like social work or K through 12 education, and I'm the outlier in higher education. Mm. And so my family really does work with, they work with people, they work with the public and they are very well versed and well educated on supporting people in need and transition and going through regular stressors of life. So while that's what we all have a hand in to some degree I don't think it's something that we've like actively talked about like regularly mm. aside from oh this client or I had this situation but not within ourselves not interpersonally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's tough though one you're the outlier two it's one thing to like help somebody outside your family because in the like you know you can pawn off what they're going through on like something else but like when it's someone in your family I can yeah that's tough but it is tough to have those conversations. Yeah. I don't want to compare it to, I don't want to, com- I don't want to even compare it to coming out. Like if you are a member of the, if any of the affinity groups, it's not that severe, but like I might have, I'm like, it's like a good 10 steps down of like telling your family you have depression or anxiety. And they're like, oh, what you, absolutely, you're always smiling. 
Like, what does that even <laughs> mean? You know, like, what does that even right. mean? And so when, it, when you're in your experience of going through grad school, transferring programs, what, and all those other type of things, was there something specific that was a big stressor in your life where you're like, all right, I really got to make sure I go get, go to counseling or therapy consistently? Yeah, certainly. So I think um, while everyone's journey is different, I think that um, I know what my quote unquote triggers are. I know that when I am not able to plan my schedule the way I like it, I know that when there's sudden change that I'm, you know, I'm a stubborn tourist and I get stuck in my ways. And if you change my plan, we don't mm-hmm. have words. Like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to ask you that. some questions. So for me, I'm very rigid in that way. It has its benefits, but it also has its drawbacks. Right, and right. so I know I'm self-aware and so I'm, you know, obviously on top of like what things um, work for me and what things don't work for me. So I think while I haven't, um, I can think about my well, my wellness in that way and having been a person that's never been diagnosed as with um, any kind of depression or um, anxiety in a major way, but still knows that there are triggers that, you know, I need to work on. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think not having that conversation with my family is, it can be isolating, but also I think I have it more with my gradmates and we call each other gradmates. We're, our, we're a support system. We talk about these things. We talk about what goes on with our family. We talk about what happens when we are not on campus. And so I think for me, you no know, anticipating change is when I typically will seek out um, some services. And then also in the middle of like just life, huge transitions, like a transition that I'm currently going through that I've been going through last year as well is something that will send me looking for, okay, who do I need to find? <laughs> what are your credentials? Right. What's your style? Mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. do you focus on? Like, I will ask those questions. I will ask those questions. Like what area did you specialize in when you were studying in school I'm that person that will ask (laughs) I never even thought of that I do ask like what do you what do you hope to help me with like you know I I don't know if that makes any sense yeah no it does most of the times like oh you know most therapists and counselors or whatever are very like no this is so much it's just I'm you're trying me out like (laughs) You are yeah. telling me your whole life, so I, if you don't feel comfortable, mm-hmm. you can find someone else, and I'll take offense to that. Um, Absolutely. Um, I lost my, my next question. It came, and it went. Um, <laughs> it's been a long day. Um, in, in, in your journey, because you said you've been going through transitions, and you've transferred schools, et cetera, et cetera. And also when talking with you via email, very, and I think our story is a little similar, not in the master's aspect, but when I was an undergrad, I definitely dropped out, right? And mm. I did, and I was, I didn't tell nobody, <laughs> and then I transferred, so it made it look mm. like I didn't drop out, it just made it look like I transferred, um, but now that I'm, like, mm-hmm. graduating, I'm like, I could, yeah, I left. Um, what, and we kind of had talked about that <laughs> email and trying to ease into that, what was that like in at the master's level? Because I know it was stressful at the undergrad level. Yeah. So, like, what led up to that yeah. comfortable sharing and all that, all the details or whatever you yeah. want to share? 
Definitely. Absolutely. And so for me, I had um, went back to undergraduate as an older student, as an unofficial mm-hmm. age student. So I had been comfortable with the idea of transferring. So I had hopped in and out of times um, when I was traditional age. Um, and so after I decided to go back to school for real, for real, um, I transferred. And so I knew that if the school wasn't right for me, I was going to transfer. Um, So when I started my master's journey the first time, (laughs) I went to an institution um, that a lot of the people that were advising me at the time led with, um, this is the golden ticket. You're going to be, you don't have to worry about anything if you go to the school in this program. Everything will be paid for. You'll be set up. And so instead of leading with, how are you going to work with this? How is this going to be a fit for you and a fit for them? Right. What is the community around you? That wasn't really part of the conversation. The conversation was, hey, look, this is what you're going to get if you go there. Right, so right. I almost feel like I was set up to, to fail in a way. And so I went to this institution that will remain unnamed. <laughs> I, left, <laughs> I left New York City and I wanted something new. And so I got something very new and very different, very um, very vanilla and not at all diverse. And I think the states, you know, had like, two or three percent people of color in it and so that was a huge shock I knew I was walking into it but Mm -hmm. experience it with something else and so once I got there I arrived in the summer and I stayed one semester and I during the middle of that semester I definitely was in the counselor's office once a week sometimes twice a week Mm -hmm. microaggressions from Mm -hmm. staff from fellow students from faculty in the program Mm -hmm. Um, there were, there was one moment in time where we were talking about something having to do with, um, students like resistance. And then there was a video that was played of, um, a black and white video that was played with strange fruit playing in the background and video images of like black people being, yes, I can see your face, girl, black people being like, you know trigger warning on upcoming black people being hung and being beaten and whipped and chased and hosed and i was girl that was my question so i i i was i i couldn't make the connection (laughs) and so you know that was just one of those moments where i realized this is not the place for me and this golden ticket had become a nightmare this golden ticket Mm -hmm. had become a nightmare And so, although I did not have any need for financial aid, all of my bills were paid there, it took so much away from me. And I decided, like, I'm going to walk away from this, and I'm going to go back home Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. and give it one more shot, find another program to apply to. And I finished that semester, came back to New York, and found my home, which is where I am right now, which is the school of my dreams, and I love it. But that experience was was treacherous. And so um, it taught me a lot. And, you know, the faculty member and the students in the school, you know, they they typically would treat students of color poorly and they were not well equipped at all. I'm still stuck on the video. Like I listened to everything you said, but my brain is back there at the Mm -hmm. video. I was like, what? Right. Anything that was strange fruit playing in the background, you just know is going to be, you know what I mean? Like, like what in the, yeah. I couldn't even imagine. I couldn't, I had to ask my professor that last yeah. semester. We watched something and I was like, we got to figure out a way to discuss what happened in history 
without re-traumatizing the black people in the room. Because y'all sitting up in right. here so shocked, and it's like, we've been, we've been knowing this for a whole life. We don't need this video. Mm-hmm. Like, I said, people ain't throwing mm-hmm. bricks at us, but I done definitely been called the N-word in the classroom before, so I just, I don't really know, yeah. like, how, and I get it, like, you know, people that look like us don't, may not, may not understand, but I'm like, send it, right. send it to the, the white folks on email. Don't send it to me. Like, how, don't make me sit mm-hmm. for 40, 40 minutes of eyes on the prize no more. Like, I can't do with those yeah. videos yeah. no more again. So I can't. Girl, I'm just, I'm processing. Yeah. I'm so like, yeah. I'm sure this, this even a song was... you want to listen to. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to burn mm-hmm. this down. Yeah. And yeah, you know, oh my God. the complicated thing was that the professor was a man of color. Oh, the professor was, um, you know, oh, was a man of color. And so it was, it was oh. like, he couldn't, he couldn't help himself, but to choose that group to show and to choose the, you know, the violence to show particularly pertaining to this group of people. Like, he couldn't wait to do it. Like, there was no other, there was no other anything and no other atrocities that had gone on in all of the history that he could show again and again. And this particular group was always the group that he showed as the example. And I had a problem with that man's anti-blackness. And we, we had it out. We had a really harsh couple of conversations right before I left. And I was like, dude, you're going to see me again. And when you see me again, I'm have my PhD be this, and we're gonna be contemporaries. I just want you to know that, like, we will be peers. So, what was that like, though? Like, because I find it hard, or I find that it can be hard to stand up for yourself within, the, like, undergrad. Yeah, you kind of can, but still, it's but it's more scary when it's your master's or PhD, like, because so much lies upon the professors and faculty liking you or whatever yeah. quote unquote what was that like yeah. like taking your agency back I um unfortunately unfortunately I had also had experience with student activism in my undergrad mm-hmm. um and so I had put everything on the line there myself and three other black women we started a you know we started a, a coalition called dangers of a single narrative and I was um, I was doing that work in undergrad when I transferred to my four year. So I had already put everything on the line multiple times there. So when I got to my master's six months later, I wasn't worried about it. I'm like, okay, let's do this. Whatever's going to happen, it's going to happen. And there's no way that you're going to talk to me like this. There's got to be another school for me. And so I was willing to walk away from a fully funded everything. And that's what I did. That's tough because the way this money is set up. <laughs> it is tough but I, I feel like you have to have faith and the faith um, in myself and the investment that had been made in me by other people prior um, was enough for me to say I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna make it there two years I wasn't gonna do it I wasn't gonna survive it it was gonna be me or the program was gonna have me on the floor every day in a fetal position no and girl I'm right I had there. one semester worth of that and I had to walk away I had to leave it alone I had to say bye and it was the best thing I ever did. Girl, I feel like, so, like, when I came to Iowa, I started out in public health, and, um, and I don't have a problem saying where, where I go, because that's life. Um, they already know how I feel. I told them to the face, they can eat it. But, um, I started on public health, and I had some, somewhat of the same, 
not somewhat I mean like mm-hmm. I just was like how are y'all public health and y'all so disconnected and y'all ain't going into healthy communities mm-hmm. I'm really just, it's just not mm-hmm. connected and like you know what I mean mm-hmm. like it's not really and so I took I took a year of it and I said <laughs> my mm. friend my friend looked at wow. me when we were taking a walk and like mind you like fetal position and some of it was I found out I had learned disability the next semester so that really like lifted a little bit off of me mm. um but I remember what like before it was the end of the semester in the spring me and my friend were at a park taking a walk you know trying to be creative about how to catch up before the end of the before you know everyone went their separate ways we were walking I was like girl you know I'm thinking of switching programs I really don't know if that's what I should do and da 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 and um I found another program on campus so I don't have to pick up and move like you know um and she was like you know I was like I just don't want to feel like I'm giving up and she looked at me she was like well you know some things can be some things can be a good fit but doesn't mean they're flattering and I was like what Okay. See, I was, I was trying to, I was trying to take this. I was trying to take this walk around the lake or pond or whatever the hell this is, and you decided to come snatch my edges when I. And at the time, I had longer hair, so you're <laughs> trying to snatch my. Edges. I said, I was to my my dog was with. I was to my dog. I said, I can't get out of my face. And I said, you know what? Mm-hmm. That was probably. And I say that all the time. That was. Pro- I need that on a shirt, right? Because true. I mean, hopefully it be flattering. Mm-hmm. But it's true. Oh, it was like. <laughs> I gotta quote her, you know, quote a black, quote a black academic, but um, it it was like, yeah, in theory, like that college had more money than where I switched to. Mm. No, College of Ed has quite a bit of money, but like I had a higher chance of getting like on somebody's research team and getting funding in public health than I did as a master's right. student in education. But it was like, nah, nah. Right. nah. You know, and I remember, like, finally being like, all right, God, I found the program, and I told my boyfriend, like, I'm going to switch, and he was like, I figured this would happen. I was like, whoa, why didn't you tell me? And he said, well, I wanted you to make the decision on your own. I figured one two, one or two things would happen. You was going to leave, or you were going to have to find another program because... Or I was going to have to tell you you need mm-hmm. to leave because I would come home and be on the fetal mm-hmm. position. You know what I mean? It's like no one. Mm-hmm. And then when you're one of the only black people, you don't want to look like you quit, right? Yes. They, yes. they don't want, well, they don't, see, we knew, we knew that. We knew that that little hood yes. girl couldn't make it. We was just trying to give her opportunity. Like, what? Right. So, I mean, girl, mm-hmm. I, we lived almost the same life, it sounds like, as far yeah. as, pro- I didn't leave the campus, but I, I mean, thankfully, a river separates us. Like, our campus is separated by a river. And every time, mm, I mean, that okay. building induced mm-hmm. anxiety. Like, just looking at it, just entering into it was like. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Yeah. No. Let's go prepare myself for battle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's go in here and let's get this shit done. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's, but what, why do we yeah, stay? Like, why I, have you stayed? I, I mean, it's crazy. It is. I think that's an understatement. But why do you stay? Like, what makes you like, okay, I want my degree. I'm going to go find another place. Like, why are you doing this? So for me, um, it's a couple things. It's, it's legacy. It's my knowing that my family came from another place, knowing that we chose to come to you know, United States of America, knowing that my parents both individually and together worked really, really hard. My grandparents, you know, um, 
I see the work that was put in and I see even more now as an adult, I see the work that was put in so that I can have these opportunities. And so um, while it took me a while to get back to finishing my education, Mm -hmm. um, it was something that I always wanted to get to. So while I had a wonderful career before and I was doing all these amazing things, um, going back to my education was something that was important to me. And now that I'm doing it and I'm waiting to hear back from PhD programs right now, I am just very excited for the future. Yes, thank you. Fingers crossed. I am very (laughs) excited for the future. And I know that I'm meant to be in the classroom. That's my sort of um, advocacy work. That's my sort of, um, like how people talk about scholar practitioners, I think about myself as being an activist scholar or um, an academic scholar, an academic that's also an activist, actually. Um, and that, that's where I sit comfortably. That's where I would see the rest of my career going. So it's, it's about what do I want to do in my own experiences. There's some things that I've experienced that have been difficult or have mm-hmm. been, um, that would quit school when I have quit school so many times. And I realized that in finding the way to stick with school and make it work for me, it has to be personal. It has to be about something. It has, for me, it has to be about something lived. It has to be about something real. Um, because I know that other people that look like me that have had similar experiences don't always have someone speaking their language for mm-hmm. them. And so I want to be that person. Yeah, I'm writing this down. <laughs> and because, like, it is, it is, like, it has to be, I want to say, like, you have to, when, I don't know, did you see um, the, tri- have you been on the trying to graduate, or trying to grad website? Do you follow Benny? No. Girl, you gotta follow No. So Benny's, okay. a, Benny's a PhD student at Northwestern. He got his master's from Dartmouth, um, or Dartmouth, I don't know, whatever, it's Ivy, who cares? Um, but he's <laughs> black, and he started, he just launched his website beginning of February, I think, called trying to grad oh, wow, okay. like his twitter okay. yeah he has like yeah it's crazy and he he took like he asked people to submit stuff so they could have office hours so like there's this list of oh, wow. contact information for grad students who are open to talk to other like whatever but one of the things i said oh, on like the he asked oh. like what was something you would tell someone who's interested in going to grad school and i literally said i would tell them to make sure that if make sure they know what they want to do they don't have to have it all figured out but like have an end passion like have a passion mm-hmm. and if they don't have it yet mm-hmm. don't do it because there'll be a many a time this shit here <laughs> <laughs> you'll be mm-hmm. like uh who told me to sign like every day i'm like who told me to sign up for this oh that's right i did then why all <laughs> right because i want to do but do i right. really like you know you have these conversations with yourself like is it worth it and i think you're right in order for mm-hmm. you to succeed it has to be personal and that's the only way you can be i remember I looked yeah. at this lady i said found out how to learn disability i was trying to get a retroactive withdrawal to cancel all my bad grades mm. as a grad student because I have severe learning disabilities and I have the paperwork and everything. This one mm-hmm. lady was like, well, we don't really do that because it looks like you're doing better this semester. I was like, what? what? That don't make no sense. Right. Right. So I went to her boss right. and I said, look, let me explain something to you. I want my degree from this university. So come hell, high water, racism, bigotry, prejudice, sexism, ableism, 
it don't really matter what you're gonna throw at me because I'm gonna get it. So either you're gonna help me mm-hmm. or we're gonna find mm-hmm. someone who can. Because my daddy told me work. There's people you can work with, and there's yeah. people you can work around. And okay. She, right. Okay. And she was like, "Well, all right then. <laughs> I'll call you yeah. on Monday because it was a Friday." And it's like you know, I don't think if it was personal for me, I don't think I would be like, "Nah, player. Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna have to find mm-hmm. something, figure out. There's some loophole up in here somewhere." Yes. And, you know, I, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on that. I feel like, you know, for me, like you going to help me or you going to get out of my way. I am, I am known for saying that you going to help me. We doing this or you going to get out of my way. Then let me do it because I feel Mm -hmm. like, you know, the Academy is set in stone, but it's also not set in stone. Higher ed is set in stone, but it's also not set in stone. And, like, I've had so many people do things for me, help me, support me against the rules, against policies. And that's what they're there for. It's like a guideline to keep things afloat. But in situations where people have unique need, then let's do what we should do, which is to actually help people so that they can actually do what they need to do to graduate. So I'm big for being like, who do I need to speak to? Can you give me your email? What is your name? So I spoke to you at this time on this day in this office and you were wearing a green sweater with mm-hmm. stripes. Okay, mm-hmm. great. And your hair was in a ponytail and you wear glasses. Okay, super. Thanks. And I do it like that. And I think I'm more empowered also because I do study higher ed. Um, I feel very comfortable talking to anyone at any point in time about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what I study. This is what I hope to make my, my field and my work and my research about. And if I can't do it, then who, how are we setting people up to be researchers and to be practitioners and okay. they themselves are in the institutions and cannot speak for themselves? Okay. That's not a thing for me. So Preach. I have to be emboldened because I have to do it for myself. And so, you know, and in times where I cannot do it for myself, other people have been, I've had amazing mentors and advisors mm-hmm. that have just came through. Yeah. <laughs> Still coming oh. through. I wouldn't be where I am right now. I wouldn't be where I am right now in February 2018, looking at May 16th at graduation. Okay. Like, <laughs> this degree has taken me a very long time to get to um, this point. And when I do walk across that stage, I will probably fall down and cry. <laughs> like, well, don't do it on the stage. Like, the get most, off at least. Yeah, I'm probably going to be a heap in the corner of just no. bawling my eyes out, like ugly crying, you know? Um, but, uh, because it's taken a lot, it's taken a lot for me to get here. Like I've almost quit this, this master's program two times, three times, four times. Yeah. Just because of life. (laughs) I've almost quit it several times. So things happen. Yes. I mean, I quit my undergrad. I had transferred undergrad and left because I was, I got in this domestic violence, uh, relationship and it came to a head and I had like stopped going to class and so like if it wasn't for like one of my friends who saw me I told saw me on the sidewalk <laughs> sorry <laughs> this person in the corner over here cutting up literally um, <laughs> um if I hadn't ran into my friend on the sidewalk mm-hmm. and they had asked me hey how you doing and like mm-hmm. you know one of those like I care so I'm gonna ask I don't think I would be here today and so like that's I think having that mm-hmm. I'm not saying like everyone mm-hmm. should have that terrible experience like having some type of mm-hmm. experience where you had to be like nah I want this so 
my boyfriend always says, move or be moved. Like that's, that's it. Those are the only two options. Yes. Like, yeah. 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 No, I agree. Um, you know, I've, you know, people that are close in my circle, people that are close in my, in my life, um, know that I myself, um, have been going through, um, like going through a divorce, um, while finishing up my program, um, you know, just a whole lot of transitions from the minute I got to this school, um, and ending it with, you know, a divorce, a major separation, um, going through an experience of domestic violence myself, intimate partner violence, intimate partner violence, excuse me, about what that actually looks like, what it means, while I'm also trying to do this monumental thing, um, trying to keep my grades up, trying to get my work turned in, trying to get my work turned in on time. You know, there it's just a lot of things. And so um, I think that for me, I definitely made it to where I am right now. And I haven't made it yet. Let me knock on wood because May 16th is not here. <laughs> I'm knocking on but, wood too for you. Um, I'm knocking on all the wood. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, um, I do know that this will have been the probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life is finishing this degree um, at this last point, just when I'm at the last point, when my whole seemingly quote-unquote perfect life just kind of erupted in the last year and a half of my education. So right at that middle point, I was like, maybe I ain't going to do this. <laughs> maybe, like, I should just go get a job and, like, go be regular. Like, why am I pursuing this, you know? Um, but luckily, I have great people that just reminded me and held me up and they're like, you are graduating in May. You're not going to, like, take a time out. You're not going to take a time out. You, if you want to take a time out after May, you can go ahead. But then when it came to the point of applying for PhD programs, I had a little fight in me, and they had a little fight in them, too. And it all came together, and somehow I got eight applications done. Don't Listen. know how. <laughs> Listen, so, only will. You know, yes. So, you know, I just that's like the quick and dirty of it but I think that grad school mimics real life it mimics real life and I have realized that more than ever this year this just past six or nine months of my life you know it's like they say because you said like you're almost there it's not the 26 mm -hmm. miles in the marathon that kills people right that make it's that point two and that's when you win mm -hmm. you know it's not the it's not the 13 miles it's the point one you're like i ain't got nothing left left but you, but you got what nothing march. but when i tell got, you nothing you, but you got <laughs> half of february march april and then like a week and a half of may come on Girl, I'd be counting yeah. down weeks. I'd be like, all right, week done. One day at a time, <laughs> one week at a time. Cause yeah. I mean, you you yeah. almost done. Like, yeah. You almost I feel you though on like quitting because these these people trying it over here, girl. So I'm just like, why? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, heart. that's it's it's always something. I feel like it's always something, and I think that, you know, and while this is not necessarily related to my initial research. The route that I'm also foreseeing myself going down as a future scholar is thinking about the ways that um, women's lives impact their educational attainment. And for me, for someone that is competitive, 
that's someone that likes school, that loves school even, mm -hmm. someone that enjoys learning and wants to be an academic for the rest of their life. Like for me to get out of a, to get out of a marriage, to get out of a relationship, a partnership, and to then also think I'm going to quit. Like school is not for me. I don't belong here. What happens to the people that do not have a positive um, relationship with school or look at school as like a burden or haven't been given scholarships? Like what happens when you have people that have so many other kinds of challenges um, that I didn't necessarily have um, and they don't have the resources to then say, you know, it's not an option to quit. I feel very fortunate in that. But I also know that there are women that are not as fortunate, have to end their education early, that cannot end up going back to school, they have to think about, they have to work, um, mm -hmm. the school becomes a luxury. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I had a conversation with my academic advisor saying school is a luxury, like now my life is different, I need to think about survival, I don't know about finishing school, you want me to think about finishing this master's? What is this master's going to do for me? <laughs> No, really. You know, I was, so, I, was yeah. telling, I literally told my boyfriend the other day, it's like these, anything past undergrad, even undergrad nowadays, but anything past undergrad, master's, PhD, yeah. especially law school and med school, that is for the rich. It It is a luxury. Yeah. It is for yeah. the rich. And you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean... And having to make, like, really hard decisions for my life and having to spend, you know, a great part of my time managing a divorce process, getting paperwork back and forth, moving from location to location, going without, you know, while also trying to turn in papers and write, like, lit reviews. I'm like, this is, this is not really And so um, I'm very fortunate that at this day in time, I was able to continue, but it's, it doesn't mean that, you know, that goes away. And so I, I think deeply about women that are impacted mm -hmm. by intimate partner violence and domestic violence, because there isn't always an easy route for them. They can't just always continue. That's more often not the case, that they can just continue at the same time without skipping a beat. That typically doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, I think one of my closest friends, because so my undergrad institute, where I transferred to, graduated from Texas Wesleyan University, Fort Worth, Texas, and my undergrad was the average age of the first year student was 26 years old. We were very untraditional. Mm -hmm. I'm the youngest person in my friend group. One of my closest friends is 33 and has a 10-year-old. And she came back, she went to school, yeah. then dropped, then came back, then dropped, and then finally finished where I was. And like, and now she's pursuing her master's. Mm -hmm. She worked full time the whole time. And I'm just like, you know, you're right. It's like, one, it was really humbling to me of like, I thought I was struggling. <laughs> I'm over here complaining about right. my 20 hours <laughs> campus job and you working 40 <laughs> and have a whole child to feed. But, you you know, it's like, right. she said, yeah. I can remember her like, yeah, I have a son and I want him to know, like, you finish what you start. And yeah, you might not finish, like you said, you stopped, started, you stopped, you started. You might not finish when you thought you were going to finish, but the thing about it is mm -hmm. you finished. And that undergrad, mm -hmm. your parents expected that. That's what my aunt always says. Your undergrad, that's what your daddy wants. Yeah. But this master's and PhD, that's for you. That's yeah. for you, no, like you know, absolutely. and 
and I honestly like I'm I don't even know you personally except for, for Twitter you know I feel like we friends um but <laughs> um, we talk all it's like you be, you be, we be talking all the time on Twitter but um when you said of like you were thinking of quitting when all this stuff was going on, the divorce, all that type of stuff, I'm so glad you didn't because I can I could see yourself like five, six years from now being like, what do I have to show for my life? And not saying that you wouldn't have accomplished mm-hmm. it, but like sometimes you get so wrapped up in someone else and like knowing that you have something for yourself is so great. Like mm-hmm. You basically, you ain't got to have nothing to regret. You ain't going to have nothing to regret when it comes to what you chose to do for yourself. Forget whatever old old dude, boy, whatever they were, (laughs) was doing. You know, you've accomplished way more than they probably ever expected you to. I ain't trying to, I don't know, I'm out here, I'm sorry. I'm off my soapbox. I just just had to to say that because I just don't think you... I think I'm, I'm so happy you were open enough to like mention that um, because it is, I was, I personally was embarrassed to talk about it. Cause you know, I remember, well, mm-hmm. why would you stay? And it's like, well, 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 well get out of my business. <laughs> so like right. you opening up, right. people are going to listen who don't know you and no one's going to know. I haven't got any judgmental yeah. comments so far. So, I mean, <laughs> you don't, you don't know what other people are going out there, going through out in mm-hmm. the world. And I think, mm-hmm abuse looks different in different ways it does. And, um, it does and so I mean you didn't let this person take your your dreams and I think that's incredible because that would have been easy to do so sorry no, I'm all serious no, over here I thank you for that and I <laughs> no no I, I thank you for that and I, I will say like you know it's a work in progress there are days that I feel amazing and five minutes even of forgetting that I'm in this space is like a lifetime of peace for me. Just five minutes of forgetting that I'm starting over again. Things are new again. Um, mm-hmm. Even like going to class and seeing my name on the roster and seeing my married name instead of my maiden name, you know, little triggers that pop up throughout the day that like don't come up for other people. And I have to, you know, play it off and just keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still in a, a deep, stage of recovery I know we're in there past any of this mm. it is still ongoing I have an amazing therapist that I see she's wonderful mm-hmm. and she's skilled 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 in dealing awesome. with um, domestic violence and it doesn't look the same for everyone it looks different for everyone and I think um for me I assumed that domestic violence was like oh someone hits you and I thought well I grew up learning that if somebody hits you then you get out. But my situation was not that at all. It was all kinds of other things that were like invisible to the to the naked eye, so to speak. No, and yeah, so, I, I, I yeah, yeah. It's, and to it's, someone it's, that's, that's like, how it starts out. Themselves, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And for someone that prides themselves on being like, oh, she's bright, she's smart. How did this happen to her? Jeez, I don't know. You let me figure it out. <laughs> And so, um, I, I don't know, you know what I mean? That's what I'm in therapy for. And I'm not ashamed to say it. I think there was shame. Like six months ago, I had immense shame. Um, I would hold my head down while walking across campus. Um, but today, I see that it's not my fault. And today, you know, turning that corner and starting a new year and being alive to see 2018 come to pass, 
was like a miracle moment for me. Right, and I clock struck 12 on New Year's Day. Yeah, listen, 2017 <laughs> had its own ups and downs. Um, I thought Trump was going to kill us if nothing else did. So we made it, girl. Everything. Um, <laughs> so 2017 was a year. So I'm just glad to be here. And, you know, I'm nowhere near past it. But I am doing what I got to do. And day by day. Healing looks different. I and I don't think you're ever you ever fully heal from anything you know i i could be wrong i don't know but i think it's always there and it guides how Mm -hmm. we operate but you know you don't owe nobody not a damn thing you don't owe anybody a speedy recovery whatever the hell that like you know i'm like you owe yourself and you are at a top program because i read your email signature uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> saw where you were <laughs> like, okay um yeah. yeah girl i'm just whoo this is this was yeah i mean but it needs to be talked about because i wrote a i wrote a blog post on my on my website about this a few months back when all these stories were coming out of mm-hmm. black women mm-hmm. just getting killed right by mm-hmm. their partners yes. and yes. it was like yes I was like, if I hadn't run into my friend on the sidewalk, that mm-hmm. my name would be at the bottom mm-hmm. of, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. just like it, we don't know. And one of them was like a PhD who mm-hmm. even talked about stuff like this. And, and, and I had someone, um, the librarian at my undergrad institution, as soon mm-hmm. as I moved here, I remember telling, talking to my dad on the drive up, he helped me move in. And I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, one thing I'll do when I come, I'm going to try to make sure I get in the library. Librarians really helped me on my research undergrad. They know me personally. I was like, yeah, this librarian was amazing. Her name was Kate. And I, we were Facebook friends. Mm-hmm. And the other one, we still talk. Kid you not. A week later, we got a news story. I'm just going to tear you up. So I'm going to start crying. That. Uh-oh. I know it was terrible. She was oh, no. fatal, a fatal victim of uh, uh, domestic violence. Dude, wow. her husband took her life and his own. Oh, Thankfully, he didn't hurt the child. But it was like, what? She oh. was so smart and brilliant, and you know, like you would never mm-hmm. thought. And so, like, I was like, God, that could have mm-hmm. been like, think that could have been you, it could have been me, it could have been a lot of people that are probably going to listen to this, and they'll be like, oh, and this might, hopefully this podcast helped someone out there, hopefully it helped you talk, I mean, it helped me, because I'm over here like, girl, you can do it, taking notes, um, <laughs> you know, like, you, know, you, you speak it to me. <laughs> it's wild, you know, it's wild, this is like what I'll, this is probably what I'll say right now, is that the, the healing doesn't look pretty, it's if not linear, um, and there's a lot of blame, there's a lot of self-blame, um, typically, and for me personally, I can only speak about myself, a lot of blame that goes into, it's my fault, I caused this, I was too ambitious, I wanted to do too many things, I was, you know, living my dream, not paying enough attention, I caused this, I made him upset, I wasn't good enough, I wasn't the perfect wife, I wasn't the perfect stepmother, you know, oh. I'm also... Here trying to take over the world and it's my fault and what I realize now is that none of it's my fault but the internalization that you then take on you process yourself as being you know the problem for everything and so it's a it's a and it impacts you in ways that you can't even imagine 
And I will say that for me in my situation, a lot of people looked at myself and my prior partner as like this, you know, bastion of like black excellence and, you know, like 2.5 kids, a dog, two black people in an amazing top tier university system and their family looks perfect and nobody has a clue Mm. (laughs) what's going on, including myself because I just got so used to it and I didn't see the little little aspects of it chipping away over the years. And so um, I'm incredibly (sighs) grateful that things transpired the way that they did because I get to be here and share this story with you and everyone who's listening. Um, And I'm also just glad to be able to really see what I experienced and use this hopefully with my work in the future to kind of shine a light on, you know, this is happening. Keep people out of the classroom to economic violence. There's economic, there's emotional, there's psychological, um, people not being able to go to work, people not being able to go to school, like all these things you don't know, you know? And so I'm nowhere out of the woods yet, (laughs) but I am grateful to not be even where I was three months ago because I wouldn't have been able to have this conversation. Well, I'm um, glad. You, but I'm grateful. I'm, I'm glad grateful. you came on and have the conversation. And I know you got to go. So I have one more question for you. It's yeah. light. It's not deep. We're going to end on a happy note. <laughs> um, I try to always do that no matter what the conversation is. Oh, I'm happy. I'm very happy because I'm uh, alive, girl. Amen. Won't you will. Amen. Um, <laughs> so I'm a big <laughs> person. And a part of the thing is I do. we talk a little bit about music on the show. So, like, what are you listening to this week? What's on your go-to playlist or go-to song that you're like, you know what I mean like it can be anything I don't care you know no judgment um I am very specific ratchet so I'll either go from like 90s stuff 90s 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 like way back like Kevin Campbell like give me some like R&B smooth tunes okay or I will be like just on that Cardi B all day every day like just like on loop just all of Cardi's songs on loop, I'll be at this like prissy school with Cardi B blasting, and I'm like Cardi B or Kanye can't go wrong with either for me. So I feel that, that I mix, feel that. Cardi B, Kanye, a little old school Tevin, and I feel good. <laughs> there you go, man. Uh, I'm a. I go to my my sophista ratchet is Big Crit over here. So, uh, oh I'd, yes, I'd be over here yes. keeping the devil off with this song. <laughs> But, you know, again, thank you so, so much for being open and transparent and coming on the show and taking time out of your busy, our busy grad school schedule. Yeah, both of ours, yeah. Um, I got to go to work tomorrow. Yeah. So, um, thank you, thank yeah. you, thank you. And <laughs> I got to go write this book chapter right now. Listen, girl, I feel you. So whenever it's the show's up on Monday, I'll send you the link. Um, I'll put people's, yeah. your Twitter handle in there so people can follow yeah. you. You're pretty great. Thank you so much again, Kat. Oh my God, I had a great amazing. time. Oh, thank you. I needed to hear that. You have a, uh, you have a great night <laughs> and good luck on that book chapter. Oh, yes. I got another conference call to get to. I'll have see a you. good night. See you later. Bye. The hustle never ends. Bye. Bye. Hi. If you are a loved one and suffering in a domestic violence situation, please know that there is someone to help you. Please call the national hotline 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233.
And if you ever just need to talk because you're feeling really low and at some point in your life, call the Suicide Prevention Hotline. They're there to listen and talk to you. That number is 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255.